Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Victoria, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, September 12th. We are reading from the big book chapter, There is a Solution. Today's readers are Michelle, Judy B., Fran, Carol P., and Sharon. The reference number for yesterday's meeting, or I'm sorry, uh, yes, yesterday's meeting, Tuesday morning's meeting, is number 2989. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anne-Marie to read the 12 steps. Victoria, I can do that if you'd like. This is Melanie. And I believe that uh, Victoria is no longer here, so I'm going to continue with that. My name is Melanie, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much for letting me share. And, Victoria, I'll pass it back to you. Thank you, Melanie. I will now call, excuse me, on Lois to read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Lois. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, the 12 traditions, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Tradition three, the only requirement, excuse me, for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Uh, seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, de- declining outside contributions. Number eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofit, non-professional, excuse me, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create Service, service boards are committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, a public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. 
singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press one, press star one to unmute. Once you have done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 24, the second paragraph from the bottom, beginning with the alcoholic may say to himself, Michelle, would you, con- would you continue to read that paragraph, please? Yes, thank you, Victoria. This is Michelle, recovered compulsive overeater, uh, by the grace of God today. Thank you, God. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, It won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way and after the third or fourth pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, For God's sake, how did I get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, Well, I'll stop with the sixth drink. Or, What's the use anyhow? So I... I look at this paragraph and I remember, I remember exactly when I was right here saying, waking up the next morning after a binge, after having a terrible night of probably not sleeping well because I felt so bloated, I felt such physical pain from overeating, and I felt the emotional pain um, of self-loathing that I had done it again. But I would wake up with the dawn of a new day and I would announce, it won't burn me this time. So here's how. Well, how would I think I would do it? With the latest diet, um, with the latest plan that I'd heard someone else say they were successful with because I thought it was all about the food. I thought if I could just stop eating, um, the self-loathing, the bitterness, the resentment, the anger would go away. It's just if I could get control of this food and lose the weight. And I would wake up with high resolve. And I, I had this, this new restored confidence that wouldn't last for very long because pretty soon I would either be saying, well, I'll stop after, um, after I eat half the bag or I'll just have part of the bag, um, and pretty soon the whole bag was gone and I was off and looking for more to consume. And then I would reach that point of saying, well, what's the use anyhow? I got started. I might as well just keep going today because I thought the emotional pain was down and I was only focusing on the physical pain. And at that point, I didn't care. I didn't care. The physical pain was better than the emotional pain I was feeling. And then one day, after days and days and years and years of this mental obsession getting me again and repeating the behavior that I so didn't want to repeat, that I so wanted to stop, um, I've, I found the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, and I did feel home, and I identified in because each of you had a story to share that was exactly like this paragraph and what was what I had experienced, you had experienced, and you were showing me uh, the promise of, of a new day. My day didn't have to start like that. 
my day could be filled with hope and promise. Um, and instead of surrendering to the food each day that I was surrendering to, you told me and suggested that I surrender to a power greater than myself. And it took me some time to learn how to do that. I kept coming back to the rooms and I kept listening and I saw that you had what I what I wanted. And gradually I learned um, to turn to a higher power each day instead of turning to what I thought the power was in that food. And, and gradually um, you presented the steps to me and said, this is the way out, Michelle. This is the way. It's your choice. Um, once I'm into the food, I don't have a choice. I don't have the choice. The food takes me, and I, I have lost that choice. Uh, and you told me there was a new way out, and this was the way. Um, I had been searching and looking, and, and it wasn't in me. Um, because in these in these sentences, it says, like, how did I ever get started again? Well, I'll stop with the sixth strength. Um, what's the use? And it won't burn me this time. It won't burn me because I'm in charge this time. I've got it. I'm going to do it this time. I know I can do it. And what you told me was I needed to let go of that. I needed to let go of the I because I couldn't do it. How many times did I need to repeat this behavior to see that doing what I was doing wasn't going to work and to listen to you, the recovered compulsive overeater, with a promise and a hope and a shining face that showed me that, yes, indeed, there was another way. I just needed to let go. I needed to trust. And although that was hard to do, trust me, it was hard to do, um, but I felt home, and, and you did win me over with your stories and with your love and with a hope that I, too, could one day be restored, be recovered. And um, I tell you, it has come true for me. But that's where I started. I started in the depths of, of despair and thinking that it wasn't a promise for me, that it was for everybody else but me. I'm so glad I stayed. I'm so glad to be a part of this meeting and to be able to have the chance to share. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Michelle. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Christy. Yes, Christy, go ahead. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, A Vision for You. I'm Christy and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And you know, this paragraph right here describes what life was like for me every single day. It started out with me saying, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. I'll only put my hand on the hot stove for a second, on that high flame of the gas stove or the bright red burner of the electric stove. I'm only going to put my hand on that. I'm only going to put part of my hand on the stove. I'm only going to put the top of my hand or the palm of my hand um, on that hot stove just for a second. And that was, that was where my problem started, that thinking that told me it wasn't going to burn me. It wasn't going to burn me this time. Every morning, that's how I started. Every morning, that's how I started. And by the end of the day, what's the use anyhow? Was how my day, my day ended. Or maybe it was shortly after breakfast when I had compulsively overeaten after, overeaten after, telling, my, overeating after telling myself I wasn't going to do it. 
Sunday night. I am not going to do this again. I'm not Monday morning. I'm going to start fresh. It's going to be a brand new day. I've got a new idea. I've got a new path I'm going to follow. I've got a new diet and I'm going to commit myself to it with all of my might. And, you know, maybe I'd make it, maybe I'd make it to until 10 o'clock. You know, maybe I would make it until after I ate breakfast and then I was hungry. Well, I didn't do very well with being hungry. So, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to put my hand on the hot stove, just my finger, just part of my finger, just like the, the part that, you know, my hand where it's calloused and burned from putting my hand on the hot stove again and again and again. And um, the stove doesn't look that hot. And every single time I got burned, every single time. And, you know, I didn't recognize that my thinking was my biggest problem. My thinking that it wasn't going to hurt me, that I wasn't going to do it again, that I was really committed and I was going to throw all my willpower at it, did not make any difference. I could not do that. I could not do that. And I didn't realize that I couldn't do that until it got to the point where I said to myself, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this one more minute, one more minute, until I had reached the jumping off point, until I got desperate enough to ask for help. And when I asked for help, I got it. And basically was told just to put down the food and dig into the big book so you won't find it necessary to go back to the food. And that has worked for me one day at a time, one day at a time. And I'm just grateful that I finally got to the point where I said, I'm tired of getting burned. I don't want to put my hand on the pot stove anymore. I don't care if it means I have to give up food. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. And I'm so grateful that I finally got to that point. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Now that we've reviewed the critical ideas from the last paragraph we read yesterday, let's move on to the next paragraph. Judy B., would you continue reading? Good morning. This is Judy B. Uh, recovered Compulsive Overeater. When this sort of thinking is fully established, in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid and, unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. <clears throat> but for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop but cannot. And um, this is the paragraph before they begin talking about the solution. And this is where we really see the severity of this disease and how, how insane we become when we're in that, in that position before we have found the solution. We, we are beyond human aid. We are insane. The obsession of our mind is stronger than our will. And <clears throat> the only thing that, that is stronger than that is the grace of God. And that is what can bring us out of this. And uh, so gratefully, we're ready, we're ready for the solution. We, we, 
we understand how, how terrible and how deplorable and how tragic this disease is. And um, we don't have to hold on to it forever. We, 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 we can um, grab onto that spiritual kit that we'll talk about. Um, when they say, but for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. But thankfully, that uh, there are many that have found found the way out, and I'm I'm so grateful that uh, I've found this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Judy. Would someone else like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Yes, Janice. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, these paragraphs that we've been studying here the last couple days, and this one in particular, in excruciating detail, have described me to me have described me to me. And what they've described to me here is this sort of thinking. This sort of thinking. Because the greater aspect of the disease I have learned is this obsession of the mind. You know, they described beautifully, in great detail to me, in the doctor's opinion, what I'm up against as far as a physical allergy, that when I pick up, there is no stopping for me. There's no stopping. That phenomenon of craving develops. But if that were my only problem, they tell me, then this sort of thinking wouldn't bother me. I would just stop. I would just stop. But when this sort of thinking is firmly and fully established in an alcoholic, in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, someone like me, a compulsive overeater like me, when that sort of thinking is fully and firmly established in me, I am beyond human aid. It's already been described to me that I'm beyond my own aid because I've passed into that state where no matter how great my desire or my wish to stop, it's of absolutely no avail. And and so the, the big book sets it up so beautifully, such a setup, sets it up so beautifully. I am beyond human aid. And if you are anything like me and you identify and you identify, then the details of what they're describing here sink deep within you. At least they did for me. And I was told I could be locked up, die, or go insane. And I already felt the insanity. I already felt the insanity. That this time it's going to be different and it's never different. This time I'm going to try to make it happen and it doesn't happen. And finally, what's the use anyhow? What's the use anyhow? And that kind of despair and desperation brought me to this very place they're talking about. Stark and ugly facts. But facts about myself that I needed to know. I needed to know. And then they tell me, but for the grace of God, but for the grace of God, there would have been thousands, even more convincing stories and demonstrations in this book. You know, so many want to stop but cannot, cannot, and I was one of those. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would someone else like to share on what was read? 
If it's okay that I remain anonymous, can I share? Yes, you may. Please go ahead, anonymous. Thank you so much. <clears throat> I hear strongly about that this is beyond one's self-will, and it is so very necessary to turn to a, a higher power, and it has so much to do with one's thinking. I think one of the other problems is that if one is around people who have, quote-unquote, the self-will regarding food, maybe not in other areas, it's very difficult when it becomes a challenge as to, well, they can do it, but you can't. So it's a very negative type um, and challenging um, um, environment to admit that that it's beyond you and, and it's something laughable and haughty to the environment. And, and that's another problem. <clears throat> And it's very and it's very necessary to keep those messages um, in its place, and 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 not stick to that, but only stick to acknowledging one's own need, and not have such negative feelings about it. Thank you. I pass. Thank you for sharing. This is Victoria. I'd like to comment on the passage. When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, I'd like to share a day in the life of what that looked like for me in late stage disease. I would begin my day inevitably having to see myself in the mirror at some point. And I remember seeing my face and looking at this person and thinking to myself, this is the person today who is going to be carrying out my destruction yet again. Because by this time, I wasn't making the promises I used to make. I wasn't promising myself, I won't do it today. It won't happen today because I knew better. There had been thousands of days when I made that promise and I was never able to keep it, not in late-stage disease. It was a place of terrible demoralization to look at myself and to know I was the enemy. I remember it was so difficult to feel any kind of self-esteem, um, it was it was a kind of torture to start my day from this place. And by five in the afternoon, I remember breathing into the supermarket. I did not have a care in my mind because I was heading for the ice cream case. And I was going to buy multiple boxes of sugar-free chocolate-covered ice cream bars. Multiple boxes. I had absolutely no memory of the morning of that same day. 
that the disease was killing me and that I was the instrument of my own destruction. It was gone. I, I was, I guess breezy is the best way to describe it. There was no thought of how the disease was killing me. And for me, that was alcoholic thinking in its fully established form that within a 24, less than a 24-hour span, my mind would move into a parallel universe where the problem did not exist and I had no recollection of the problem. And it's been said in the rooms that the solution opens the gates of hell, not the gates of heaven. And for me, that was true. This was the hell that I was living in. And what was keeping, there, keeping me there was the obsession of the mind that completely blotted out within a few hours' time any memory whatsoever of what was killing me and the fact that I was the instrument of that destruction. And thank God, through the steps, I could be led to a fourth dimension in which I live now, um, which has opened the gates to, a, to an existence of which I never even dreamed. So with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to share on the passage? Hi, this is Melanie, Compulsive Reader. Yes, Melanie. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Victoria. I read this, and my heart is just pounding quickly because it is a death sentence for me. This, this paragraph is a death sentence. So many people want to stop but cannot talk about life behind bars. My goodness, then what, what's going to make any difference here? If my thinking is causing all this to happen, and I can add here that I don't even understand this business about being a compulsive overeater. I don't understand that I'm powerless over it. I can tell you that I have trouble with it. I don't like it, that I'm almost 300 pounds and I don't want to be there. And then the, but the paragraph before it tells me, I'm going to tell myself that, that I can go on a diet on Monday. I can go to sleep, get all my you know, psychic abilities there realigned, and I'm fresh and ready to go Monday morning because I always start on Monday morning as long as it wasn't an after you know, holiday coming up. And my thinking will tell me. And it says here that only by the grace of God am I going to be able to do anything differently. A problem that I have is that most of what I know, most of what I know for sure isn't true. What the heck is going to break through that then? If I tell myself I'm having trouble with food, but if I don't get the idea that it's an allergy to the body that is driven by the obsession of my mind and therefore is taken away from me and I'm behind bars. Oh, my gosh. But for the grace of God, I am in this room, a student to learn, and I can see it. This big book is coming to life by the people that are sharing here that have pulled this all apart for me, and I get it. I get it today. I didn't get it. I had no ability to understand that I was powerless over this thing. I would like to know just exactly when it was fully established in my mind, this thinking. 
because I've debated this since the first diet I went on when I was in second grade. This monster continued to be the thing that I leaned up against, fought with, and continued to come up with a new idea and design every day. What's my new diet plan today? Hmm, I think that maybe I'll fast all day long until dinner time, and then I'll go to the local smorgasbord and eat all that I want to, and I'll lose weight, and I'll be in great shape. That's only one of a thousand great ideas that I came up with, and that the fat was my trouble, and everybody else. This is an amazing piece. This is an amazing paragraph. This is a, this is a life behind bars sentence for me, except that this room is showing me something different for the first time in my life, and I cannot tell you how grateful I am for that. And with that passionate pitch, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Would someone else like to share? Hi, this is Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Good morning. Thank you so much. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, a vision for you. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. This statement here, when this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid and, unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. You know, when this sort of thinking, this just uh, reinforces to me that, um, you know, it's not saying when this sort of eating, when this sort of thinking, all action is born in thought. Uh, That food did not, you know, burst its way through the pantry door out of the refrigerator and down my throat. Um, my mind makes a decision based on lies that this time I can handle it, this time it won't burn me, and I instruct, my mind instructs my hand to reach out and take those binge foods. So all action is born in thought. And if my thinking is twisted, if my thinking is, uh, you know, uh, perverted and um you know, uh, in disharmony, then my actions are going to reflect that. Then my actions are are also going to be twisted. And indeed, that's what was happening as I ate myself to death. As I ate myself to death. I needed a new mind. You know, the big book makes it very clear that I was the creator of my own pain. That I was the architect of my own misery. No one's doing this to me. (laughs) No one is doing this to me. You know, against all odds, I, Leah, a real compulsive overeater, was supposed to self-destruct. I was doing that to myself, and yet I continued, as the disease progressed, I continued to worship my thinking mind and my ego. I needed a new mind. I needed a spirit-guided mind. Once I accepted that, uh, you know, I was powerless, that I had a twofold disease of allergy of the body and obsession of the mind, I could realize that to continue to compulsive overeat meant disaster. That it meant that I was going to either die or go permanently insane. It meant continued torture. It meant continued suffering. You know, relying on myself to stop compulsive overeating also meant that. Because that's what I had been doing. I had been relying on self. Now, if I knew that I couldn't rely on myself, then my choices were going to narrow down to either relying on some power greater than myself or being doomed to a compulsive overeater's death. For someone like me, that was my reality. And with that, I pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Leah. Would someone else like to comment on what was read? Hi, Sharon from California. Okay, I heard Sharon, and someone else was on the line. I didn't make out your 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 name in California. Yes, this is Beth. All right, Sharon, would you go ahead, and then Beth? Hi, this is uh, Sharon. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Good morning. Good morning, Victoria, and everyone else on the line. I'd like to make two points uh, out of this reading on this paragraph. Uh, the first is that this is kind of a, this is, this is bottom. This is rock bottom. And what uh, we all, before we recover, have to come to the end of ourselves, have to come to the place where our daily effort, uh, and Victoria talked about it, to the point where you just give up, where it is just totally hopeless and you recognize that there is no next diet. It's going to end in defeat. And... um, so it and that's a good place to be. If you're feeling hopeless right now, in reality, you're at the beginning. Um, you're at the beginning. You're you're ready to start because no one will start recovery until they have finished with the obsession that next time it's going to be different. So it's a happy day when you realize and accept that it's not going to be different. It's never going to be different. And the what um, they talk about, Bill, and talks about later, is that in the early days, before a person would admit complete defeat, they had to go to the bottom. They had to lose everything, their house, their cars, uh, oftentimes their families. They, um, you know, many ended up on Skid Row. They just really, really had to get low, just down and and awful um, before they admitted complete defeat. But, the reality is, is you don't have to, we don't have to go that low. We can see the handwriting on the wall. We can, we know that when we start eating, we can't stop. And when we stop, we can't uh, help but start again. We know who we are. And I sat in the rooms for 10 years. I wasted 10 years of my life trying to figure out if I was really a compulsive overeater, I knew I was should be here, and I kept coming back. But I never got hold of recovery. I just didn't quite get it. I just kept trying another, even in the rooms, I kept trying to find, to do it my own way. And I kept I, and the bottom kept getting lower and lower and lower. I'd get some recovery, and then I'd go down further. Now in my life, now that I've accepted, when I accepted complete defeat and gave up and surrendered 
that's when recovery began. That was the happy day. The darkest day was the best day. When I finally gave up, when I finally surrendered and accepted the help from a power greater than myself, when I accepted that I could not do it, that was the beginning for me. And then now I, it's, things keep getting better and better and better. And that can happen for you. And I'm excited. This is, a, this is really a great place to be. But um, we all, before we begin, we need to get to our bottom. But your bottom doesn't have to be as low as what Bill describes or as what I've experienced. You can start today to recover. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Beth, would you go ahead, please? Yes, this is um, Beth from California, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, the the part that stood out for me today is I remember, you know, hearing this read. I remember reading this myself and um, rationalizing my behavior that it wasn't quite this bad. You know, I never went to an asylum. I never, you know, had a DUI. I never had, you know, issues such as they describe here or that I extrapolated that they were describing here. And um, And this allowed me to you know, continue to, you know, um, wallow in my disease within the rooms of OA. Um, it's it's the, the meetings, you know, such as A Vision for You and, you know, some other, um, you know, people within the rooms that I was around that woke me up that, that, you know what, think about my behavior, as some of us already described this morning. You know, when I was at work and I wasn't really working and I was obsessing about, you know, going to the vending machine or going to someone's desk who had, you know, a great treat or something or, you know, thinking I could go to the teacher's, you know, um, staff room, you know, maybe I could squeeze it in during recess even though I was supposed to be on duty. Um, And when I got home, you know, what kind of mother was I when I was, you know, buying my family some foods, but you knew I was going to eat so much of it on the way home or, you know, hide it away to my secret stash and they would get some of it, you know, and what kind of wife was I, you know, my poor husband never knew, you know, was I going to be, you know, a sane person walking in the door or, you know, the crazy one on the diet or the crazy one who just went off the diet, you know, and forget about, you know, you know, sexual relations. I mean, I was crazy. I was ready for the asylum and I needed to stop thinking um, and comparing myself out of these rooms and start identifying myself. What do I have in common? Because as soon as I make that identification, as soon as I, um, to the core of my being, admit that I am a compulsive reader and my life is unmanageable, then I can start working in the solution. Then I can start asking my higher power for help because there is two solutions. Go on to the bitter end or get some help from my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you for sharing, Beth. Would someone else like to share on the passages that were read? Press star one to unmute. All right. 
Let's go on to the next paragraph then. Judy, let's see, Fran, would you please read the next paragraph? Yes, good morning all. This is Fran, compulsive overeater. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. And I pass. Thank you, Fran. Would someone like to share on what was just read? Hi, this is Kim. Yes, Kim. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I love this paragraph. You know, I spent years in the room thinking, like, what am I supposed to do? How is this supposed to work? I don't get it. I don't get it. And the you know, the first 100 were clever. You know, they put the solution in a chapter called There is a Solution. And then in the, in the paragraph, they italicize, there is a solution. And yet it seems hidden so many times when we go into LA. Where is the solution? It's right here. And what do those next couple of lines say? Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of pride, and the confession of shortcomings. Sounds like the steps to me. The self-searching, four, four and five, the leveling of our pride, six and seven, and the confession of shortcomings, eight and nine. It's these action steps and the steps that are going to bring us a solution. But the problem was for many years I had a solution. Now one day it might be a ding-dong and the next day it might be a Dorito, but the solution was always food. And it worked for me for a time. You know, I think of Bill's story when he talks about forging that weapon that became that boomerang. Well, for years it worked. When I was sad, I would eat and I would feel better. When I was happy and I would eat, the celebration would get, get even nicer. When I was angry and I didn't want to lash out, I would chomp down food and quell that anger. But th- at this point, as some people have so beautifully described, the boomerang has come back and has shred me to ribbons. My solution is not working. So what am I going to look for? You know, I prayed a lot. I remember in high school going to bed, tears rolling down my eyes and saying, God, please make me a 14. God, please make me a 14. I never said, God, please help me stop eating. Because I wanted the pain to go away but I didn't want my behavior to change. I wanted to be able to eat like I wanted to eat. I wanted that oblivion. And I just didn't want the consequences of the weight, the consequences of people being upset with me, the consequences of not being able to work, the consequences of not having a boyfriend. But I wanted to keep, I had to recognize that I wanted to keep participating in my disease. And until I saw, says we've come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life, until I came to see that, the solution meant nothing to me, absolutely nothing. So I'm so grateful today that when I read you the talified word, there is a solution. It is not only the hope that it is a solution, but it's my experience that this solution works. And with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Jen. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Paula Manson. Paula, go ahead, please. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. While you talk about the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, that was a very dark tunnel, but that was a tunnel that we went through. And it says here, there is a solution and there's a light. But this word, I'm going to go right into. But we saw that it really worked in others. Well, see, that was it. It's almost like, you know, do you ever see those, those they, they show the picture book and then all of a sudden in, in the movie, the, the, the animated characters come alive. But this is more than that. But we saw, now that was it. It became visible to us that it really worked in others. Enough with the talk. The talk didn't do it. It was truly seeing the walk in others. And every time you'd go, it's the same. See, I was never the same every time. Depending on circumstances, depending on rainy or sunny, I was never the same. But no, in here it was the same, and that's it. And we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life. No more pretending. Oh, it's all right. It'll be better tomorrow. No more pretending. The pretending was put away as we had been living it. You know, it, it ends with, and I'm going to go down there first. I'm going to move right. The problem has been solved. There was nothing left. That was it. It has to be at that place. If you think that, that there is something left, you're not ready yet. It's okay. It's okay. For us, but to pick up, this is your action. You must do it. I can't pick it up and put it in your hands, honey. No, you must pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools. And it was said, that is the steps, the steps we take and that we live by. Laid at our feet, they're there for you. They're there for you as they were there for me. But this part, we have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence living like I've never lived before. If you ever get to see that wonderful uh, down at the Kennedy Space Center and in the dark night, you see the rocket taking off and you see the spaceship going into the dark. Oh, my. Into another dimension of which we had not even dreamed. I couldn't dream this. I couldn't dream this. And yet I live it today and it is there for you also. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. I think we have time for one more share. Would someone else like to comment on what was read? Good morning. This is, this is Margaret from South Jersey. Margaret, good morning. Please go ahead. Good morning. Uh, this is Margaret from South Jersey, a recovered compulsive reader. Uh, I just thought to myself, there was nothing left for us to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools that are laid at our feet. And as Paula just says, it is that sense of picking up. And there had to be nothing left for me. And every time that I kind of had this thought that there's something left, I began to watch the people around me that I loved that were in this disease. And that would really remind me that there was nothing left. And that, that I had to stoop down and pick it up and begin to walk with it. And I was blind. I mean, thank God for the people ahead of me because I was on the yellow brick road. I wasn't sure where I was going, but I was going because there was really nothing left. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. 
I think we have time for one more brief share, if someone would like to comment on what was read. This is Katie. Katie, good morning. Please go ahead. I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. And I was talking about this after the meeting yesterday, that um, that it is so scary to come into the rooms and to put down the food. It seems like you're you're jumping off and that, you know, all this ugliness that you have to look at and all the pain, you know, as someone has shared, you know, we, we uh, feel our feelings better and we uh, feel our character defects better when we do not um, have the food in our body. But uh, this program, we can believe that it has worked for the other people. And that's what... Um, you know, God has done for me, has given me the grace. Um, it's God's grace that has allowed me to trust others. Because before I was so self-reliant, I just thought I had to figure all this out on my own. But we are all here on this line grasping together. We're all rowing to shore, um, to a different shore, to a shore of recovery that uh, we were not headed for. You know, I was headed for self-destruction and misery. And it was God's grace that I did not have to stay on that path. But the good news is I don't have to stay on this new path by myself. There's always someone out there um, to get me out of myself and to help me find uh, the answers I need. And sometimes the answer is, you know, that that I need to do nothing. And that is probably the hardest one for me. But... Um, this program is here for us, and I'm so grateful that uh, we didn't have to hit the bottom that, you know, some people um, back in the 20s and 30s, before they had this program, people were, you know, locked up. Most of us are not locked up. Most of us do not lose our houses. We don't, you know, go into foreclosure. Uh, We're not living on the street. There are some people that are, but most of us, are pretty lucky when we find these rooms. Um, And at least for myself, I I feel like I've been given a gift and there is a solution and it's in this book. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Carol please read A Vision for You? Uh, Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, A Vision for You. My name is Carol. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditations what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.